0: I do have a word for you, and I want you to get your Bible or your cell phone or whatever means you, you, you get the word. And I want you to hold that, uh, hold that in your hand. And, and I'm serious. When this happened, I shared this last week before uh, Vicky preached. And what a message she brought last Sunday. Can we put our hands together for all our speakers? Oh, my gosh. Man, we got some preachers up in the house. Began first with my awesome son-in-law who dropped a word, the oil for intimacy, and then my goodness, uh, Pastor Betty who just dropped a word about God is kind, such a good word. And then Greg with his red T-shirt and red shoes, Amen. Just yeah. God is good. He brought dropped that word, a powerful testimony. And I'm telling you, if you didn't hear his message, here's a takeaway. It doesn't make sense till it makes sense. My goodness, that right there. And he said, bro, that was the Holy Ghost because that wasn't in my notes. And so that was great. And then Vicky's message, God is just. So we are never without hope. Oh, just saying it makes me want to pause and just give God a, a deep praise. You know what I mean? We are not without hope. And all that we see that's taking place, we're not without hope. So... God, I thank you for the gifted communicators, speakers, all the gifted people that you have blessed this ministry with. God, I pray you continue to give me wisdom of how to platform their gifts for your glory. Uh, And let their voice always be a voice that thunders in the fear of God, that walks in the favor of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So what I want to talk to you about this morning is... As uh, I believe, an absolutely critical, vital message uh, for us, for many reasons, for the church personally, for the church practically, uh, for you personally, but also prophetically, I want to I want to share this this word with you. And it's on vision. It's on the the topic of vision. A Google search of this word will yield a many many different results. Uh, vision is something that's talked about in in many. Uh, disciplines in many institutions. Vision is is absolutely vital, but vision is absolutely critical for the body of Christ because we're going to see why it is that the church should have vision. The church must have vision. If there's something that really gets at me is when the world takes biblical principles and prospers, it. Gets me upset. Not because they're using biblical principles. is because the church is not using biblical principles. And prospering. We've allowed so many lies of the enemy. To keep us in bondage. And religion is one of the key components of it. And so it's important that we understand that when the world is speaking. We must come with the structure of the kingdom. And so vision is a kingdom word. Write that down. Vision is a kingdom word. It's a kingdom word, and we're going to see why it is um, in a minute. Vision is a kingdom word. And because it's a kingdom word, we need to look at what is true vision. Again, majority of individuals, I'd probably say every human being, has to battle being selfish. As much as we want to be people who give of ourselves, Typically, bless you, the things that we do has some sort of what do I get out of it? Not everybody, but the majority of us. We struggle with that. that. That's part of the fall that God has restored. And so I say that because when we talk about this word vision, a lot of times we look at what does vision mean for me? And God is saying that's not the way to look at it. You have to see what does vision mean for God. What does vision mean to God. And so we're going to look at it this morning. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you are doing in our lives. Help us, Lord God, to see things from your perspective. We honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 15 as we look at this topic of vision. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. And the reason why we're going to this particular uh, chapter in Genesis 15 is Um, is because we are going to see um, the importance of vision. Someone say vision. Vision, yeah. So Genesis chapter 15, it's where um, the word says, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a what? Vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Let's pause right there for a second. As we entertain and as we look at this concept of vision, I want to remind you that as believers, we must be discerning. Hence the title, True Vision. Scripture is very clear that not all visions are from God. Some could be the pizza you ate. Right? Some could be the trauma you went through. Not all visions are from God. Which tells me then there's something called false vision. And see, some are from the vain imagining of individuals, and some are clearly demonic. And that's why true vision can only be received from the church, because we've been given the Holy Spirit to be discerning so we can determine whether that vision is from God or not. False visions lead people away from God's will, and if not discern, it will lead into idolatry. And so we have to be careful because we're going to see the reason for that. The Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2 makes it very clear as he's speaking to the church. And the Apostle Paul is saying to the church, and, and it's amazing because we're going to end on the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see his journey as really as the template of how to understand true vision and how to actually apply it. So in the Apostle Paul, we see all four aspects of visions that I'm going to get into in the Apostle Paul. And so he's talking to the church at Colossians. He's saying to them now, he says, let no one disqualify you. Let nobody disqualify you. He goes on in, in, in verse 18. He says, don't insist on these certain things that he lists about four things. And one of those things he says is that don't fall for the people who goes on in details about vision, but they are blind. They're blind to the traditions, and so the Apostle Paul says that they're giving you rituals, they're giving you regulations, and he said prior, you're in Christ Jesus now. Paul is the, is, 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 is the proponent of this because Paul says, I used to walk that way. I walked in rituals and religion, and I thought I was seeing God, but reality was I was blind. And so Paul is saying, now don't fall for that because when I got a revelation of who Jesus is, and that's the key, Jesus is the key, Jesus is the structure, Jesus, someone say the name Jesus. Jesus Jesus is the sweetest name, but it's also the name that demons tremble at, come on. Traditions bow to the name of Jesus. And so the apostle Paul is saying, number one, make sure you understand true vision so you're not disqualified. Number two, make sure you know true vision so you're not distracted. You're not distracted. That's the thing the enemy wants to do. He wants to disqualify you and say you're not in Christ. So continue to try to work for your salvation as opposed to working from your salvation. And so he's saying also I want to distract you so that you would walk around the mountain. You will walk around the wilderness and you will continue to walk and you will be people without vision, without direction. And so he wants to understand this. So make a commitment at the rest of this year. Two things I will not do is number one, I will no longer allow the enemy to disqualify me. Mm -mm. No, I've got a true vision and I'm not going to allow the enemy to disqualify me. Number two, I will not be distracted. I will not be distracted. There are so many things going to try to distract you. It's going to try to blur your vision, but I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to keep, watch this, my eyes on Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to survive 2022. I'm going to thrive in 2022. Because Jesus, the blind cannot lead the blind. And so we have to understand this concept of vision. Write this down. God wants to give you a greater vision of who he is and the plans he has for you. So he goes to Abraham and says, Abraham, listen, I want you to understand something that in chapter 12, I called you. Of Genesis chapter 12. Chapter 13, I showed what it looks like to have favor with me. And chapter 14, I'll take out any enemy that tries to prevent you from achieving the things I have for you. God is so good. God is so good. And those three things that we see in Abram's life before he became Abraham is available for us as well. That God has called you. We're going to get into it. And God has also prospered you. We're going to get into that as well. And God says, I will fight your enemies on your behalf. If you have vision, if you have vision. And so it's amazing that, that the provision is right there, but because we're blind, we're distracted, come on, we feel like we're disqualified, we keep missing what God has for us, and then we question God's worthiness and God's trustfulness. And He says, no, 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 not in 2022. Not what he has opened up for us. Not as a church, what God wants to do for us and where God is bringing us. Listen, I declare this. This is me. I'm saying this before God. I refuse. That building we're looking at has a cross on top. But I refuse to let the cross be taken down. I refuse it. Not about you, but I refuse. If I've got to go up there and lock myself to it, which I'm afraid of heights. But I, you know what I mean? But if I have to go up there and, and and send somebody else up there, you know what I mean? It says, on my behalf. Like Abraham took Isaac, you know what I mean? Be my be my Isaac, go on the go on the cross. But that requires vision. It requires vision. God wants to give you a greater vision, ready, of who He is and the plans he has for you. That alone will cause me to get saved. Come on. Because I don't know if my family has a great plan for me. Come on. And there are enemies that are speaking curses over you, believe it or not. There's coworkers that don't want you to prosper, that want you to be blinded to the favor of God on your life. But God has said, No, I want to give you a greater vision of who He is and the plans he has for you. So here are the four purpose for vision. Here are the four purpose for vision. The first one is the power of vision, and that's sight. The power of of vision and this speaks to your sight. It is the act of seeing. The power of vision or sight is the special sense by which the qualities of an object, such as color, shape, and size, in its appearance constituted its appearance. Are perceived through a process in which light rays enter the eyes are transformed by the retina into electrical signals that are transmitted to the brain. In other words, this is how you see. So the power of vision is your ability to see. That's a gift from God because not everybody has that power. So let's take a praise break and thank God that we can physically see. Come on. Come on, somebody. How the brain works, that you look at something and you get an object and it comes and it goes into your mind and it speaks to what you're doing. That's the creativity of God. So by your design, vision is vital. So in the Bible time, when they walked, they would say, Jesus, thou serve David, open my eyes so I can see. That people would love to have the power of vision. Sight, And so because we can physically see, it is important that we look at vision. That's why you go to the eye doctor and get your eyes checked so you can see clearly. So the power of vision, which is sight. The second one is the prophetic vision. That's what we're going to spend the majority of our time on today. And the prophetic vision is birth from the scripture. It's from the scripture. You cannot receive a prophetic vision outside of the scriptures. That's the number one sign that it's demonic. It comes not out of the scripture. It's demonic and it's distracting and it will disqualify you. So prophetic vision must come out of the scriptures. That's why you have to know the word of God. This is not some religious book. It is the very words of God because he has a greater vision for your life. Love the word. Jesus, when tempted by Satan, used the word. And if Jesus, who was the word, had to use the word, you can't use your intellect. You've got to use the wisdom that comes from the word of God. So studying the Bible is vital to your ability to get prophetic vision. So if you want a better future, you've got to read the word of God, what God says about your future. And hold on to that. The third one is personal vision. and This is where we get the vision statement. This is where uh, we have coaches now, life coaches, and we have people, motivational speakers, and they, they park here. This is where they park about personal vision. And you know you have one because you, you, you put together a vision statement, a vision statement. So we have the power of vision, which is sight. We have the prophetic vision, which is scripture. We have the personal vision, which is a statement. And then we also have practical vision, which is the structure. This is where we talk about having a vision board. This is where we talk about having something before. This is what people would use about Jacob and and how he brought the sheep and put these things and these things are there. The danger with practical vision, we must be careful because if we don't come from the prophetic vision, new age can come in and we could be doing some vision stuff. Opens up the channel for demonic things to come in, and next thing you know, you're caught up in something demonic, and you don't realize it, and now you're distracted, come on somebody, and now you're disqualified, all because you aborted every other vision and jumped right to practical vision with a vision board. And so God is not saying don't have a vision board, God is not saying don't have practical vision, God is welcoming that in your life. But what he's saying is you can't start there. You can't start there. You have to start and understand what true vision is. Okay? So so I, I'm laying down this, this the, the, the framework because, because all four of these are going to affect your life if you want to make a difference. If you want to make a difference. And the reality is that when you got saved, hear me now, if no one ever told you this, when you got saved, guess who saved you? God did. <laughs> you didn't save yourself. God saved you. God saved you for his purpose. So in the mind of God, in the vision of God, he sees you accomplishing something. He doesn't just see you, I saved you to go to heaven. Because if that's the case, the moment you said, Jesus, come into my heart, you would be snuffed out of this world and you go to be with Jesus. you hear what I'm saying. So the reality is because you have the power of vision, sight, and you are still breathing, God is saying, I have a vision for your life. It's a true vision that you need to start walking in now. You need to start walking in. And that's what we're going to take a look at this particular message. So let's look at God's vision. God's vision. There are many different ways that God communicates to his people throughout the scripture. It might be a personal appearance of himself, like Adam and Eve. It might be an audible voice. It could be by angels. But as we read in the scriptures, we see that God also communicates by vision. And there is no doubt that God has used vision in the life of so many people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'm here to say, after I've given this introduction, that God wants to use vision for His purpose today as well. Isn't that awesome? That God is still giving people vision. He is. The book of Acts chapter 2 says, in the last days, saith God, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see what? Visions. The book of Acts. And so therefore, it is vital. Can you imagine? Listen, the devil is afraid when you open your eyes and see Jesus. As long as we're blinded to the structure and the things of the world, he doesn't care. But the moment your eyes open up and you see Jesus, oh my goodness, the devil gets nervous and his demons get nervous as well. Because he realizes, oh my goodness, God opened their eyes and they can see what's going on. And so to our text, to our text, Genesis 15 verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, fear not Abram. I am your shield and your reward shall be great. So as we unpack this and looking at God's vision, the first point I want to mention is this. Write this down. It should be on the screen. God's vision comes from God's voice. God's vision comes from God's voice. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because vision is this, but yet vision comes from God's voice. That's because how the world has defined vision is not how the Bible defines vision. That's why it's got to be the practical thing has to be last. You can't start with the world's definition. Because guess what? In case you haven't known, they can change definition on stuff. And feel no ways about it. I don't like that word anymore. I'm going to change it. So God's vision comes from God's voice. That's the first point right there. If you miss this, you will continue to walk and have sight. But you won't have vision. If you ignore this principle, you can walk around and have sight, but you won't have vision. Because God's vision comes from God's voice. Is it okay if I prove this biblically? God meets Adam and Eve. He says, Adam, where are you? His voice. Adam says, we heard you in the garden and we were afraid because we were naked. And then he says, whose voice were you listening to? Who told you vision? (laughs) They had eyesight. They were naked, not ashamed. But the moment they ate of the fruit, they became blind, but yet still had sight, but lost vision. And so sight caused them to say, I'm ashamed. Oh, come on. Mm. What happened when they saw something that now became knowledge? Where he's told them, no, because you're going to know this thing and you're not equipped to know this thing. Knowledge now entered and they realized that our condition has changed. What do we do in this environment like this? And so they lost a vision of what God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And now their eyes were open and yet they were darkness and they were blinded. That's powerful stuff. God's vision comes from his voice. If you're parenting your child, if you're starting a business, this is the foundation in your marriage, in everything. You cannot move from this point right here. And if this is the only thing you get from this message, it's worth the ticket you paid Come to come in here. It is worth it because here's the deal. God's vision comes from God's voice. So in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, do you notice that in the English Standard Version, this is the first time the word vision is mentioned? There's 15 chapters. That's penned or according to the vision that they have. But at this particular historical event that's taking place, this is now the first time the word vision is mentioned. And there is a teaching. It's called the law of first mention. That when something's mentioned for the first time, you want to hold on to it because normally it carries the same meaning throughout the scriptures. And so here's the very first time the word vision is mentioned. Not in chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, but chapter 15, the word vision is mentioned. And here is what vision really means. It means this. In the Hebrew, it means not the ability to see with your eyes. It comes from the Hebrew word, H-A-Z-O-N. Which refers, ready for this, in a deeper meaning, it really means vision that comes from God, which is revealed by him and his word. So when he said to Abram, after these things, the word of the Lord, vision, then came vision. He said the word of the Lord, right? And he said after that now to Abram, in a vision. So his word then is his vision. What he's doing, he's not giving him some sort of promised future yet. We're going to get to it. He's giving him a revealed word. He's letting him know who God is. He's saying, Abraham, you have to know, write this down, the revealed word. I'm not hiding my word from you. I'm giving you my word. Ready? I'm giving you my promise. I'm the promise keeper. I called you in Genesis chapter 12 from your family. And you have to go through challenges. You have to go through situations. If you read Genesis chapter 12, 13 and 14, what you're going to see is watch Now, Abram now gets called by God, but he goes down into a place where he says, now tell them you're my sister. Why? Because if I tell them you're my wife, they're going to kill me. I told you people are selfish. So Abram had a technicality that saved his skin. Because ultimately, it wasn't about her. He was saying, you're so pretty, and that's why it's going to affect me. What kind of compliment is that? <laughs> Your beauty is a burden. <laughs> come on, that's not a good Valentine's Day pickup line. You know what I'm saying? He's literally saying, you are fine, you are awesome, and that's an issue for me. But see, Vision would have told him, no, but I told you that's who's going to come out of. Come on, somebody. So his sight got him to be fearful. But vision was you are going to bring forth a seed and it's got to come through Sarah. Oh, my goodness. So there's no way anybody can touch her. Listen, ladies, man, come on. You are handpicked by God. And your beauty is not a burden. Your beauty is a blessing. And I know there are times where you feel broken. And you got to be poured out. Come on, flawless. But don't lose your beauty of who you are as a woman. Come on, somebody. Ah, that is so good. That is so good. I know all the ladies are clapping your hands. Come on, somebody. You gotta understand. Don't let the mirror lie to you. Don't let society tell you your shape. You gotta be, God sees you as beautiful just the way you are and your eyesights are causing your problems. See with vision who you are. That the king tried to mess with Sarah. And he goes, I can't touch you. Why not? Because God's hand is on you. Your husband may have taken his hands off. But God says, no, I'm keeping my hands on you. Why? Because I gave a promise. I gave you vision. And the word of the Lord says, Abraham, a seed must come through you and Sarah. Good oh, God Almighty. So automatically it begins with the vision for marriage. I said, it right back in the original garden. God doesn't break his promises. Come on, somebody. Right from the garden. He keeps his promise. And he calls Abraham. And he brings him into that particular place. And so in chapter 13 now. He brings his his nephew with him. And and he's sharing his riches with his nephew. And all of a sudden they get so prosperous. That they have strife. Can you imagine? Success brings strife. (laughs) See that's the world. That he was prospering. And here's the deal. The issue wasn't between Abraham and Lot. The issue was between his employees. (laughs) come on somebody they were cool but when trouble is down here it's going to finally make its way up and so they separate they separate and through all of that then the kings went and they they, they, they stole Lot and they took his possession and I love what Abraham says, Abraham says oh I'm going I'm to go get Lot I'm going to go get my stuff, why? because I got vision I got vision I got vision and he goes and 318 trained men in his house He goes and fights these kings and and just deals with them. I love the Bible. I mean, it makes a great movie. You know what I mean? And just imagine these managers fighting and stuff like that. And so now all that has happened, all that has happened, and you would think God would have told them vision at 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14. No, God waits at chapter 15. Here's why. Because the first thing about vision that comes from God's voice is the revealed world, a revealed word. If you have that, write that down. The second thing, though, that vision comes from God's voice does, it brings reassurance. God will not reveal his word to you and not give you reassurance. They, They come together. What's the use of God giving us his word, his promise, if he can break it? So if you're telling me God spoke to you, there should be some reassurance of faith behind that. Not sight, faith behind that. For you walk by faith and not by sight. Are you telling me you believe in God? But look all around you. Yeah, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I got a word from God about the situation and it's a reassurance that God's going to do it. And what did God have to reassure Abraham from? I'm glad you asked two things. He had to reassure him from this. I want you to get this. That this. Uh, listen, this is so amazing. This is so good. God's vision comes from his voice. The revealed word and the reassurance of that revealed word that God will keep his promise. Why? For two reasons. Because of Abraham's past victory of conquest. Because Abraham had to know don't fear the victory you had in the past. Don't fear that the enemy now is going to regroup and come back and try to take you out. (laughs) Abram went and he took away five kings and took everything. And God says, Listen, Abraham, don't fear their offspring. don't fear that if they try to build their armies again, they're going to say, we have to go get revenge on Abraham. He says, don't fear that. He goes, because I am the God of the promise. And the battles we have been victorious about, you just stop looking at them and having some sort of of, of anxiety. Like, oh my gosh, what if this is going to happen again? God's like, no, it is final. I will not allow the enemy. Oh my goodness. That's what salvation is. Salvation is saying your past cannot catch up to you. Come on. You have a history, not a past. Oh. God has said, when I give you vision, you have a history, not your past mistakes, not your past failures, and not your past success. Those things will not come and cause you to be afraid. That's what vision does. Vision makes me look at the things I've conquered and give God the glory and say, God, you deal with my past. I'm walking in history. The second thing it does is the future promise of a child. He had to know because at this point now he's 75 and nothing has happened. And God, you told me back in chapter 12, you're going to give me a seed. And so nothing has happened. And so God knows that vision is needed for the future promise for Abraham who was a child. What's your future promise? What do you need vision for that's before you? What do you need vision for to see that's before you? That you can look at your past and realize, okay, my past is forgiven. All those things are, are under the blood. But what's my future look like? And so God is saying here that I give vision so that you can understand there's a future promise of hope, a future promise of joy, that I'll get someone to shake their hands. Come on and stomp your feet. That God is saying the future looks bright. The future looks bright. I don't care what the enemy does. As Pastor Teresa says, God laughs at the plots of the enemy. Come on. He says, what are you going to do? No. I I have given my word. I revealed my word. I gave them vision. I've given them vision. And so here's Abraham now asking for the details. So God, how are you going to do this thing? How are you going to make this come to be? He's asking the question. So the takeaway from this first point is simply this. You can tap into the power of God's vision for your life by meditating on scriptures of promise. That you can tap into... The power of God's vision for your life by meditating on scriptures of promise. That's the first thing. If we don't get that, we can't move to the second thing. And we desperately need to move to the second point. So I want us to focus on that because God's calling us as a ministry. God's calling you. He says, listen, you can tap right now, right now, this day. You can tap into the power of God's vision for your life by meditating on scriptures and promise. When I read that, I'm like, ooh, I got to take that and quote that. That is so good. Right now. Right where you are right now. Not tomorrow. Not yesterday. Right now, you can tap into the power of God's vision for your life by meditating on scriptures of promise. In other words, hear his voice today. Hear his voice today about your situation. Hear his voice today about your circumstance. Allow God and his promise to comfort you in this time. Second point is this. Vision is God's calling. Vision is... Is God's calling. Second point. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 is a really, really neat scripture because it gives a condition of what happens when people walk away from the voice of God. When people walk away from the voice of God, they lose vision. When they walk away from the voice of God, they lose vision. And the second point is this vision is God's calling. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. There was no open vision. So in the time of Samuel, what we have is from here is Abraham now, and we're seeing history unfold, and we have the judges, right? And the last one now is Eli before Samuel comes on. And what we're seeing is now is that there is a lack of vision. There's no vision, and the nation now is confused. The nation now is not prospering. The nation has moved away from God's promise, His future promise. Why? Because there was ready, say it with me, no vision. So could it be in our nation, the issues we have no vision? Because the people of vision were blind. Our standards have blurred. Come on, somebody. The culture has came in and just dug out our eyes. And what God is saying, this nation is saying, give me direction. And everybody's trying to give direction, but only the church. Come on, somebody. Only the church. When I'm talking church, I'm talking You. Not the building, I'm talking you, you are the church. Someone say, I am the church. Am. And so I have vision, come on. So the proof that you have God's voice is when you practically walk out your vision, they can trace it back to God's voice. Why are you doing that? Because God told me. But don't you see what's around? But no, I don't see by sight, I see my vision. Oh God. He says there are no visions. And God calls Samuel. God said, I gave a word to Abram that a vision will come to pass. And I won't allow any leader, come on, to cause my promise not to come to pass. And so he calls Samuel. And God is still calling people today. He's calling you. What's the vision I gave you? He's calling you, John. What's the vision I gave you? He's calling you, Tim. What's the vision that I give you? He's calling you. Jody, what's the vision that I give you? Do you know my voice? And that's why the world makes noise, people. Because they're not concerned about your sight. They entertain you to draw your sight to it. What they're concerned about is the voice. And if we ever use our voice, the nation will then have vision. And so he says, listen, what must I do? And look at it. Verse 2, at that time, Eli, whose eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. Here, here's a quote. Vision of the Old Testament prophets were, weren't just about what they were seeing, but often had information about a future state or promise. Church, listen to me. God is revealing his vision. Why? Because you need to be people who can bring hope to a people who have no hope. Business owners, we pray that on Friday. That they will allow believers to go in and pray prosperity over their business. Because we have vision. Not just sight, we have vision. And so we're praying that as well. So vision is God's calling. So if you are called by God, guess what? You got a vision from God. (laughs) So what's the problem? The problem is this. The problem is this. We're confused about our calling. (laughs) It's not God's confused about getting vision. We're confused about our calling. So when God said to Samuel, 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 he ran to Eli. He ran to an old blind person. Come on. (laughs) He said, did you call me? Eli's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't even see. (laughs) Go back to bed, man. Comes up again. He says, I know the voice that's calling me. Eli, it's got to be your voice. Go back to bed. I can't see a thing. Third time he comes again. Finally, Eli says, oh my goodness, it's the Lord. How many times do we have to come speak to the church for us to finally get it? This is the Lord. God's bringing his voice and we're thinking, we're going back to old systems. We're going back to old religion. We're going back to old things that are blind and says, come on, give me direction. And the thing is saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. But the third time, someone said, the third time. Eli finally realized, oh my goodness, this is the voice of the, this is what I missed. This is what I missed. Oh my goodness. God, you're still speaking today, aren't you? Yes. There's a generation that's thinking, oh my goodness, we are on the cliff of falling over. But I'm here to tell you, no, God is calling some young people. God is calling the generation. Come on. God is calling the Blains of the world, the Dannys. God is calling the Abigails of the world. Come on. God is calling the Pastor Bettys, the Maries. Come on. God is calling the generation. One generation shall praise that work to another. Come on. Why? Because I have vision. Though my sight is going because of age, vision is there because of revelation and reassurance that God will keep his word. We got all the people confused of your calling. Trying to live like young people. Come on. And we got young people confused of their calling. And having the world entertain them. See, this is parenting right here. That we must have a vision for our children. We must have a vision for our lives. The Lord came and called them one more time. Oh, I'm here to declare prophetically right now. I just feel that. I feel it right now. He's calling us one more time. Come on, before Jesus leaves his throne, he's calling. Oh, my God. Come come on, people with vision. Come on, come with people with vision. He's calling one more time. He's called this nation once and we ignored it. He's called this nation twice and we ignored it. He's called this nation three times. But thanks be to God, he's calling this nation one more time. And he's saying, come on, with vision comes a calling. Where are my remnant? Where are the people who will say, I got a vision for my life, my marriage, my business. I got vision. This nation will not perish. Why? Because God gave me a promise. My God. Oh, come on, somebody. Clap your hands. Hallelujah. He says, Roy, you better get up out of Canada. You got to get down to that nationwide. They need vision. Good God Almighty. Ooh, I feel this thing in my bones, man. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I don't tell you I left Canada for your sympathy. I tell you I left Canada because of a calling. Because God is calling one more time and God's saying, like, I love this nation, but the church is blind. Come on, somebody. And the blind will lead the blind and they both will fall into a ditch. But God has saying, my vision is calling somebody in this house this morning. That it's time that you open up your eyes spiritually and see what God is doing in this nation and join with God. Where is the remnant? He's calling one more time. The Lord came and called one more time. Hallelujah. My God. My God. Come on, Redmond. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, somebody. Come on. Open your eyes and see Jesus. Open your eyes and see Jesus. See miracles after miracles after miracles. See healing. See if you've been baptized. Marriage is restored. Business prospering. Come on. Economic prosperity. See it. See it. See it. He's calling one more time. Come on. He's He's calling one more time. 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 He's calling. He's calling. He's calling. He's calling. Do you see it? Number three, and this is probably where you're like, okay, bro. What if I don't have a prophetic vision? What, what if I don't have one? Is that okay to not have one? What if all that you're talking about is above my head? What if you're talking about? I'm so broken. I am so traumatized that I feel like I am like Samson, that my eyes were just taken out and I am chained to these walls to be entertainment. What if I don't have a prophetic vision? What if I'm so damaged that the lie of the enemy that I'm disqualified is stronger than the voice of God in my life? And so when we're talking about people's calling, they will say, I hear you, but I don't see what you're talking about. What if I don't have a prophetic vision? Well, Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraints. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained. The New Living Translation says it this way. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Ooh. They can't be tamed. Come on. Mm. Mm. They go every single way. The wind blows them. Whatever their eyes see, they're drawn into your eyes or the gateways into your soul. And the enemy is just bombarding the airways. Come on. To get to your eye gate. What if I don't have a prophetic vision? Here's the good news. You're at the right place. Because <laughs> as long as I'm breathing, we're going to pray that God gives you a prophetic vision. The people run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. See, see, the only reason as a believer you don't have a vision is this. Now there are elements of learning God's voice, yes, there are things you have to mature into, yes. But here's the number one reason I believe why we don't have a vision. Isaiah twenty nine eleven thirteen says this. Isaiah twenty nine eleven to thirteen. And the vision of all this has become to you like words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to the one who can read, say and read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And when they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot read. And the Lord says, Because this people draw near with their mouth, honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is commandment taught by men. In other words, men are saying, Be afraid of God, don't fear God. And because of that, our hearts draw to God and f- afraid of him. And not come to God in reverence to get revelation and reassurance. And so if I don't have a prophetic vision, the reason for that is because the enemy has lied and said, you're still naked. Ain't it to be ashamed? Oh. Because what you're seeing is your reality as opposed to realizing, no, it's revelation. It's revelation. It's revelation that brings reality. It's not reality that brings revelation. Come on come on come on I don't want to lose you on this the only reason I believe, you don't have is, is because of that is because of that so I want to get into now as we wrap this up and as uh they get ready and fidget in their chair to come up here and start playing uh let, 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 let me get this let me get this into you write this down number three God's vision in your sight God's vision in your sight let's deal with this this is God's vision this is true vision right here let's go to Acts chapter nine verse seven to nine Acts chapter 9, verse 7 to 9. I Don't you turn there. This is, this is where we are. This particular uh, portion of scriptures is in the book of Acts, and the Acts is really still going on. This is how God sees his church having vision. Are you following me so far? The book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but it's also God's template, God's design for the church. Here's how the church is supposed to function according to the book of Acts. So you don't need a how-to-grow-your-church seminar book. It's in the book of Acts. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Some people say, how do you grow your church? We read the book of Acts. And we ask God to give us a vision about the book of Acts. (laughs) You feel it? Because you can become a clique or a club, right? And here's the key. If a church would close their doors, would the community miss them? All the churches who close their door, if the community is like, there was a church there, then we have not had God's vision. We've had religious gathering. The book of Acts is there. This is so important, people. And here is the heart of the message. God's vision, your sight. Acts chapter 9, verse seventeen. Here it is. It says, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless. What is going on here now is the apostle Paul on how he got wrecked. And the apostle Paul now is showing you this is how God's vision works. You saw the Old Testament. I brought it through the Old Testament. I said, this is what the Old Testament was saying. Paul now is walking through this. And here's what he's saying now that encompasses everything we talked about. It's God's vision and your sight. That's the battle right now. That's the thing that either holds you or it releases you. Is right here. And so it says, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Hearing the voice, but seeing no one. (laughs) So I can hear, but I can't see. So God's vision... And my sight. God's voice. And what I see. Saul rose from the ground. And although his eyes were opened. He saw nothing. So they led him by the hand. And brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was what? Without sight. Ooh. And neither ate nor drank. And so the first thing we see is that the apostle Paul got permission from the religious community to go and to shut down the church. He's like, what they're doing is disqualifying from religion. And the apostle Paul is adamant. He is, he, he is, he is determined to make sure that he stops the church from being the church. And God says, who do you think you're messing with? And he has an encounter with God that the light blinds him. He gets kicked off his donkey and he's sitting there now and he gets up and now he has to be led by other people. Come on, somebody. God is saying, I see, Paul, what you want to do, but I'm here to call you. Come on, somebody. Michael Todd made this quote. He says, sight is what you can see with your eyes open. Vision is what you see with your eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. That's so good. And here is the issue. God is calling people that are battling between their sight and God's vision. And here is the struggle. He says, lead them to the church because that's a place of vision. So when you encounter God, that's why you come to church, to be amongst believers who understand vision. It's not because it's Sunday and this is what I do on Sunday. No, no, no. We've been missing it. There's no power in that. That's based on your schedule availability. That's not on the spirit leading. And so what he's saying is this. Oh, my goodness. Let me use an example, Minister Blaine. I want you to come here. So here it is now that God called him, has a testimony, God called him. His eyes are open, but he can't see anything. And so all the past, everything he's going on, God's called him, and he's blind. But he can't get to vision by himself. He's called, but he's not called to be alone. Let me tell you about the lie of the enemy isolating you. And you saying, it's God, I'm trying to figure my things out. It's a lie from the pit of hell. The enemy will take you from the body. Why? So people can remain blind. Every time you leave the body, I'm not talking just a church, I'm talking about the body. You leave someone who's called but blind. And so Paul said, I've called him. And he goes now and he says, Ananias, you now have an assignment. Come on. So here is the apostle Paul now, called by God, radically transformed, but he's blind. And so we see now there's a battle between God's vision and his sight. How am I seeing things? Where am I? I'm vulnerable now because someone can hit me. Come on. And I don't know who it is. So I got to trust that your hand is not going to harm me. Come on. But I got to trust your hand is going to hold me because you have vision. You heard God's voice. And a lot of times we're saying, don't touch me. Why? Because the trauma, the encounter is too much that I can't handle it. And so therefore, we got to understand that no, we're here to hold you because we have vision. And I'm bringing you to your destiny. And so there he is. And so if we look at the scripture now, we see this. And so now we move down. And here's the next point, right? We have to pray for God's vision. So what we're doing now is when we gather together, what are we doing? We're praying for God's vision. Why? Because God's doing a work outside the church. God is doing a work outside the church, so we're in the church doing what? Praying for vision, praying for God's voice. Not about me, but a God, what do you want to do? What gift do you want to bring in the house? What do we need to be able to achieve our goals, our destiny? And God is said, while you're here, just having your religious kumbaya, he says, no, pray for vision. Pray that God's voice will be heard in this city and in your city. Why? Because there's somebody out there that needs to know you're welcome in here, And so God goes now, and he says to Ananias, verse number 10. Now there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him, if we can get it up there, come on, come on. The Lord said to him in what? A vision. Ananias, not Abraham now, Ananias. And God is saying to you as well. And your answer must be, here I am, Lord. Where do we hear that word, here I am, Lord, from? Samuel. When God calls Samuel, he says, here I am. Come on. We're seeing the fulfillment of every Old Testament thing about vision. It's coming right now to the church. I feel the Holy Ghost up in this place. And he said, I'm calling people. I'm giving them vision. And they're battling with sight. But they got to be able to know they can leave here and come in here. Come on. And so we pray for vision. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called straight at the house of Judas." looking for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, watch what he's doing. He is praying. Get on your knees. He's praying. Get on your knees. He's praying. There you go. Watch this now. Oh, I got it. Because the church is praying for vision, God's going to bring us the people who are praying for vision. (laughs) But if the church is prayerless, (laughs) we've got no vision. Come on, somebody. So, Jesus said, Make it a house of preaching. He says, Make it a house of prayer. So, my vision. So, we got great preachers, but no one's praying. And so, we're blind. Good message, but no power. Great sermons, but no substance. Come on, somebody. He said, if the church prays, I will bring you to people who are praying. God, open my eyes. I want to see Jesus and Jesus. And I'm trying, I'm trying to get my church to open their eyes and to pray for my vision. And Ananias says, God, I heard about his past. He has permission to persecute us. And God says, no, no, no. You're looking at sight, not vision. I have chosen him. Come on. I have chosen him. I have chosen him. And so now he comes and he picks him up. And he says, we need your gift. Come on. And we need all that you have. And we need your vision. And he brings Paul in. Come on, somebody. And Paul comes into the house of the Lord now. Why? Because Paul has vision. And Paul now is saying, here is how it works. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man of God. Thank you, man of God. There are people praying at their workplace, praying for their marriage. They're praying, and they're saying, where can I get a vision from God? And God said, if my church would only pray. If they'd only pray, I'd give them discernment. Ananias was afraid, rightfully so. He saw Stephen get stoned. It wasn't like Paul was like this cute person. Paul had permission to persecute. But God said to Ananias, you're not looking right. And there's a community, come on, across from the Jersey, come on somebody, come on. There is a community where people are praying in their house and saying, this is not a dead end, come on, there has to be an outlet out here, is there a church praying, come on somebody, because I'm not here praying for vision, I can't see past my street, and God is saying TGP, the gathered people. It's time that you pray. It's time that you pray. It's time that you pray. I gotta I gotta be done. Every head bowed every eyes closed. Every head bowed every eyes closed. Every head bowed every eyes closed. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Ah, glory to God. Pray for vision. Pray for vision. Pray for vision. Every time you walk into this place now, I want you to take your seat and open and bow your head and say, God, give us vision this morning. Every time we come in and say, God, give us vision this morning. Give us vision. Give us vision. There are people you're calling. You're calling communities to the church. Give us vision. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor Roe, I need a prophetic vision for my life. You're at the right place. You're at the right place. You're at the right place. It starts by praying. In verse 12, and he is seen in a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so he may regain his sight. The ministry of laying out of hands. Oh, my goodness. Right where you are, if we had time. Oh, Jesus. Come on, just say, God, give me vision. God, give me vision. God, give me vision. I got here on Friday and at our prayer time, and I began by saying, God, give clarity of thought. Give clarity of thought. I didn't know which way to go with this Sunday's message. And after praying, God, give me clarity of thought, God says, talk about vision. Next week, we are going to talk about vision killers, things that will kill your vision. We're going to talk about that next week. But your assignment this week is this. God, thank you for calling me. I pray for vision. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your will. I need reassurance. And I need your word. That's you. You see, true vision is what you hear and see with your hearts open to God's leading. (music) Thank <music> you.